What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly. And today we're going to be jumping back into mine and Julian's thoughts about Batman. Last episode we talked about, generally about, what we thought about Batman as a concept, as a character, as a possible human being. And then we went on to talk about Julian's favourite Batman stories. We started to discuss the saga of Ra's al Ghul. Uh, In this episode we're going to finish off that conversation. We're going to round out the saga. Take it right up to modern day. And then we're going to jump into my favourite Batman story. The adventure that keeps me coming back to the Batman. So, not going to hold on much longer. We're going to jump straight back into the conversation. I'll see you on the other side. But, you know, Batman and Son strikes me, you know, I mean, and a lot of the Grant Batman runs strikes me as Batman, uh, Grant really succeeding in that mold. Oh, I agree. I love the Grant Morrison run. I, I think it's, uh, it's fantastic. I've been back and read it a couple of times and uh, it, it really stands up. But it does, it stands up because it has that level of sort of, um, you know, like you say, that, that grand adventure uh, element to it. Um, and I, I really like, I mean, I really like Grant Morrison's Batman because it is, it is wacky and crazy and you get the Batman of Zara, you know, Zara and, and, and um, you know, he th- th- gives an excuse to sort of Batmite and everything else. I think it's it's such a good run. Um and it comes to that inevitable conclusion, you know, when when it comes to, and you get the fact that he introduces Batman Incorporated, and then um, Talia Al Ghul sees that as a sort of a, almost a threat to her organization, and it's 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 fantastic. It's almost like it takes on that idea of almost like you know uh, divorce, divorcing parents, sort of like trying to show who's got the better sort of um, global crime fighting organization. It's amazing. Um, yeah. Yes, I'm a bit. Yeah, I, I always, I always love Talia. I always, you know, I, I, I love the. I mean, she's got a little bit of, you know, sort of Emma Peel uh, in her, but you know, she's also uh, got the kind of like Bond girl thing of, uh, like, you know, there is another universe in which Batman could lay down his burdens and uh, and uh, be happy with somebody who was, uh, um, you know, this smart. Uh, mm. You know, this much of a physical specimen, but but also um, um, in love with him. I think that's weird because I I, agree, I totally agree that that um, you know of late, obviously Tom King has sort of um, sort of explored the relationship between Batman and and Selina Kyle, Catwoman, and although I can sort of understand that at a certain on a certain level. Um, I've always felt that Talia would be a much better match for for Bruce, it, you know, it's, it, just on every level, really. Um, yeah. 
and she seems to have fallen out of continuity and fallen out of favour a little bit at the moment. But I do hope her and Raz come back at some point because I think they are fantastic characters that need exploring. Because um, there, there was a story recently they did a Batman Eternal uh, a couple of years ago as part of like, the New Fifty Two. And it was like 52 issues over a whole year and it was like a Batman being taken apart over a year for whatever purpose and there's a part, there's a moment in that where he believes it's Raz that's taking him apart and he goes and tracks him down and Raz al Ghul's like uh, no, it's not me um, I'm, I'm actually got other things going on, you know you're, it's almost like, you're not the only thing I've got going on <laughs> And there's, an, there's almost like, you know there's a moment where he's almost like, the arrogance of you Batman that you think all I do is plan your downfall, um, and it, it's it's just it's just you know he's like no no, and especially at this point you know, you've been defeated you've been broken if it, if I'm coming for you I'm coming for you at your best so that's when you need to be worried not now um, yeah don't worry about me I've got other things on and it's a it's a really sort of like great moment for Raz as a character where he's just sort of like he literally just brushes him off where he's just like oh just like, I'm busy sort of thing. Um, and I, I do like that about the character that, you know, that he is, he, he can be really like, you know, pinpoint focused or he's got so much on that actually you're just a side part of his, on, on his chessboard at the moment, at that point. Yeah, you do kind of feel like, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I think that I feel like Roz could star in his own stories. Um, you know, he's one of the the few villains who I feel like is fleshed out in that way or is mm. that interesting. Um, I mean, like, obviously the Joker is interesting, but I don't know that I need a Joker solo thing. And I, I, I mean, the Joker's kind of, you know, inconsistent and, you know, crazy. Um, I mean, you know, I, I always felt like, you know, oh, okay, here's the Riddler, right? Here's mm. the Penguin. And, and they're gimmicky, and Batman's got a great rogues gallery, and I'm not knocking it, but I don't really care about the Penguin. I don't really care about Killer Croc, uh, you know. Um, I mean, I care about Catwoman. You know, obviously she's been a good solo uh, solo mm. title. But um, but Roz, Roz felt special. And, and I, I think, you know, you know, it's so much fun doing this podcast and, and rereading this stuff for this podcast because it's been a long time since I've just flatly enjoyed as many Batman stories as I have in preparation for this show. Um, so much of it, you know, is, is uh, um, you know, you read the 60s stuff and you say it's enjoyable, but, you know, you're kind of analyzing it and then I think the 80s stuff and, and some of the dark stuff you know that's classics you know I mean you read uh, Killing Joke and you think oh this is masterfully done but you know there are these issues with women there's these mm. issues with uh, you know how the story is structured and you find yourself kind of going into analytic mode or I do anyway and that's definitely one of my um, problems as a human being is <laughs> that I have trouble just relaxing and enjoying something and I've got to overanalyze everything. And uh, I don't know when I've, I've just been able to enjoy a Batman tale uh, as much as uh, I have is this last week rereading all this stuff. But, well, no, I think you're right because I've, I've really enjoyed some stuff reading this and dipping into it and trying different things because you're right, some of the classics, the ones that people hold up as, um, you know, the... the 
almost like the be all and end all the three you, you've mentioned so Dark Knight Returns Killing Joke and um, uh, like Arkham Asylum they almost they, they invite analysis they don't they? that's the point they're sort of they are a deconstruction in many ways of those characters they are there to be analysed and you know they're not there to be the, the rollicking adventure that I think sometimes you just need you just you know you, you want to um you just want to go along and, and enjoy the ride, and enjoy the character and the interactions and the fun of it, really, that, that they can provide. Um, yeah. And I think it's interesting that I've gotten to my story now, but the the, 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 yeah, the, the things that you, the, the stories that you and I have chosen, neither of them are those, those top tier sort of, you know, deconstructive stories. Um, and as you said, the, the, the reasons that you, you've chosen for the sort of the, uh, the O'Neill stuff and that that's basically the Raza Ghul saga is very similar to what why I chose uh, mine. I chose the sort of the really what was the first eleven issues of um, Batman from the DC New Fifty Two written by Scott Snyder. It's the sort of the Court of Owls uh, saga, and for me this was a story where I'd read I'd read Batman before. You know I'd read the Grant Morrison stuff. I'd read other bits and pieces, and I'd read as you said, those top tier pieces. But this was probably the first time I actually collected Batman month to month. Um, and I was hugely absorbed in it. But it's just... Um, it was really the, the mystery of it. And to see Batman as a detective um, and, and done well as a detective... Uh, and taken to his limits was was thrilling. It was it was it's such a good story in that respect, and um, it it sort of that it's it took away from that sort of like the punchy punchy you know Batman that I was sort of I was quite used to, and introduced this Batman that sort of similar to sort of the, the both the sort of uh, the Grant Morrison and the O'Neill one that's clearly got his shit together. Like this guy knows you know he's. I always feel with the Scott Snyder uh, Batman that he has dealt with his grief and is now sort of working to a different goal. Um, and I feel that in the sort of the Snyder, in the sort of the Court of Owls, it sort of shows it that um, he's moved aside that sort of thing of like, I'm avenging my parents to I'm now trying to... Um, I'm, I'm now using my capabilities and my thing to deal with the problem in the best way that I see to deal with it and it may not be the best it, might, it may not be the right way but it's the way I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it to the best of my abilities I actually and I just think it's it's a, it's such a good story have, have you ever read it did you get around to reading it or, uh, oh yeah yeah I read it uh, not long after it was published mm. um, and I, I reread it uh, for the podcast um, but it does you know it does have a lot of adventure at the, at the same time mm. um you know i mean there, there are issues where i think it's like issue eight or so where uh it begins with batman is falling off a building you know? mm. and uh you know you, you sort of circle around to, to catch up with that um but you know it does have the, that sort of sense of uh fun and uh adventure in the same way that uh um you know both of them i was talking about the, my stories yeah, and I think that's what's why I like it. I do like because it's it's sort of um, there's a moment in the second issue. I mean, this it's a moment in the first issue as well, actually, 
there's there's a mo- there's a moment where he is it opens with him in um within him within Arkham Asylum, um and you're a bit like I don't know what's going on and you see him and he's sort of he's about to kick off a fight with uh Professor Pig Killer Croc the Riddler all these other people like, you know he stood toe to toe with them and he smiles and it's that sort of thing of like. He, he, you said before, look, he enjoys this. Like you know, it's almost like he not is he not so much he's getting his jollies off, but it's the challenge of it. Um, and then then Snyder throws in the fact that the Joker sort of becomes his, he's almost like his tag team partner. You know, the, the, he's fighting side by side, and the, just the way it's set up is like, what is going on? Um, and then obviously it's revealed. Uh, it's not the Joker. It's actually you know, spoilers. It's not. It's, it's actually Dick Grayson was using uh, you know some sort of technology to change his face, um, and then it sort of kicks off the mystery. Um, but like you say, they never lose sense of pace or adventure in this story. That it's a mystery, and you've got to be invested in it. And um, much like as you know, we said with sort of uh, with Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill, they they work together as a creative team. Um, I so feel it with sort of Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo that they're the story. They're not. It's not sort of. This never felt like Greg Capullo just drawing Scott Snyder's work. This felt like a creative team um, building something, which is another reason I sort of felt quite invested in it. Um, and I, I, I don't know what your sort of. You know, we said about the sort of the, the different type of Batman, but I don't know what your thoughts are on Greg Capullo's um, art. huge Capullo fan no, I, I'm, the, I'm the same I, one of the, the earliest comics I sort of got into in the 90s was Spawn and um, it was Capullo's art that really hooked me because um, I'll be honest it's not the greatest story but the art on that was amazing um, but yeah no, I, I, the thing with the, same with the Court of Owls it's um, I'm, I'm a real I'm a sucker for those stories as well about sort of an organisation or something, a society or something existing under the surface of every day, um, and and sort of the idea of this thing existing, um, this this idea, the idea thing of this, the, the Court of Owls existing in Gotham and having a level of influence, um, almost without Bruce's awareness until this point really sort of you know it like you said with 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 Ra's al Ghul being special that's how I sort of feel about the Court of Owls they're like you can't trot these out every other week or every other month they are they're, they're there as a sort of um they're just there in the shadow and uh some of the stuff like you say there were several buildings where well, there's, there's a moment in one of the issues where Bruce uh visits one of it's a Wayne Industries building and part of the sort of superstition is you don't have a 13th floor 
Um, and so there's a sort of like a space, you know, there's a larger space between the sort of the 11th, between the 12th floor and the, 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 uh, the 14th floor. So there's a 13th gap. And then you find that actually that 13th gap is actually sort of been home to one of the talons, one of the, the Court of Owls things. And so even within his own infrastructure, these things exist. They've nested and it's sort of like, it's it's so well done um, that it, it really sort of uh, play, yeah, play, played in my head. And then, you know, when you, um, one of the best issues is, in fact, it was so funny when it was published, I remember, I think it's issue five, um, uh, Batman's trapped in a maze, an underground maze, and he's obviously he's dehydrated. And when he finds some water, he doesn't know it's laced with um, like a hallucinogen. And they actually decided to print sort of the, some of the pages went sort of um, from just being normal to then going sideways, and then eventually sort of the center spread is upside down. And um, DC had to publish, <laughs> they had to state, put, put out a statement saying, "No, no, no, we did that on purpose. It's intentional. That's not a printing mistake. It's it's, it's a part of the story. Just go with it." Um, and they've maintained it in in the future, um, you know, reprints and stuff, and. But it's it's so good that that's sort of like you know where it goes that they're willing to try those things, um, and the, you know the reveal at the end as well, which I, uh, I probably won't I won't reveal the the big twist at the end, but um, you know it's You're talking sort of, of, court of owl. yeah sort of yeah I mean you know I know who, yeah. you find out about the court, but you also find out sort of, there's a guy in it called Lincoln March throughout who has been sort right. of like you know played up as, as almost like. It's similar to Hush, so almost similar to sort of like uh, Tommy, Tommy, whatever his name is, who's Hush. He's almost like he, he's, he's that equivalent of of Bruce Wayne. You know, he's that sort of thing where um, it, it's almost like the what if that sliding. You know, he's played up as that sort of like sliding door scenario of like, well, this is what Bruce could have been, um, and then for him for his final reveal as to who he is, or possibly is. You know, it's never. It's again, it's never sort of made. A hundred percent clear. Uh, that sod it. It's my podcast. Spoilers for everybody. It's 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 revealed that uh, he could be, possibly be Bruce Wayne's brother, um, but it's never sort of confirmed. You know, it's he he gives a story about how they were um, there was a car crash and all this stuff happened and he was taken away and he was raised in an orphanage or in a, an institution and he was visited by Martha Wayne. But you don't know if that's just an orphan that had that fantasy and that's what he's grown up with, or if actually that is the truth and he's that sort of, um, you know, he's the lost Wayne sibling or this other stuff. So um, it, it just plays like a really well orchestrated mystery. Um, and it, it t- topped off with, with Greg Capullo's fantastic art. Um, and like I say, it's just a rollicking adventure that I think, you know, is, mm-hmm. is so, was such a, a, um, a statement of intent for that run of, 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 of 50, 60 issues, um, that, uh, yeah, it was, it's, it rightfully stands up in, in one of the better parts of the DC New 52. Well, you know, it's amazing how adopted it's already been into, mm. uh, you know, DC continuity, um. You know, I'm amazed that, you know, they have, um, you know, hardcover slipcase editions with uh, the uh, the owl mask uh, yeah. that you can buy in, uh, you know, Barnes & Noble or whatever. 
I, I, I would say but I'm guilty it, of owning that. I actually have that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I see that. I, I sort of think like, wow, this is, this is, you know, I remember that story. You know, I thought it was good, but you know, like, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, like, it, it, it seems so recent to me. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I think you're right that it, that it is a kind of statement of intent that, um, you know, I think that I. I think that I am not as enthusiastic about the Snyder run as, as other people seem to be, mm. but I definitely admire it. And I think that, you know, what you're getting at is this sense of, you know, rollicking adventure, but also this sense of ambition. Mm. Like, you know, I mean, right from the start, you know, there is this sense of like, yeah, Snyder's going to push some buttons and do some, some stuff that's different. And, you know, whether... You know, you feel that the whole sort of like sixty issue run, you know, um, works together as a whole is a separate story. I mm. mean, we're going to get to the point where like Batman is replaced by a mecha. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, you know we're going to do some crazy stuff here, and and I love that it, that, that run is willing to do that. And you know, I mean, and I think Court of Owls struck me as that same kind of thing of like, especially with when you get into sort of like the history, like, oh, we've been here in Gotham since colonial times, and, you know, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm old enough that I, I kind of have these sort of like retcon alert go up, you know, where I think like, oh, okay, that's, I don't mind a retcon, but is that okay? And, yeah. and it kicks me a little into analysis mode, but, um, but it's ambitious as hell, man. Mm. Uh, you know, that is some major stuff to be doing you know, in the first 12 issues of a rebooted continuity. Yeah. It's supposed to be, like, you know, accessible to new readers, and it is, but um, you're definitely not spinning your wheel. Oh, no, and I think, you know, you're right. I think the... Uh, do I think the whole run is... Um, do I think the whole run is amazing? I think it has its ups and downs, um, but you're right. I think it's hugely ambitious, and um, there are... There are Having gone back and read sort of stuff, I mean, especially from the 90s and the early 2000s, I feel that Batman sort of fell into... Even the stuff that surprised me, like um, Ed Brubaker, who I'm a huge fan of, you know, some of his work he does with Sean Edwards and, um, you know, when he does Captain America run is, is, is tremendous. But when I read, read, read his Batman stuff, it just feels... It feels bland in many respects. Um, yeah, and yeah. I feel there's other writers that sort of there's this they always talk about the Superman problem like what how do you write a good Superman because he can do anything but then I think they've almost put put himself in the same corner with Batman you know how do you write a good Batman story because he can do anything um, and you end up with a sort of as you said the detective element sort of falls away and you end up with punchy punchy Batman who just sort of swings in he can kick anybody's ass and it's it, it's all done and dusted and it either that or they have to go to the nth degree and burn Gotham City and Batman to the ground you know it's sort of it's it's either quite bland right. or, it's, or it's everything and it became that cycle that I got quite quite bored of so when I when you introduce this that actually um, you know when you read Court of Owls it's the impact of this story on Batman on Bruce is massive but the impact on uh, the impact on Gotham City actually is pretty small 
on the grand scheme of things. Right. You know what I mean? Yes, at the end, towards the end of the story, they release this court of the, the talons out onto the city, but they're dealt with in a night. And you're like, oh, okay, that's another thing. We just move on. And if you were, I always try and thought when I thought about this, I was like, if you were a resident of Gotham City, like, what, <laughs> what things would stand up in your mind as being a big issue? Like, if you were to have these stories, like, is it is it every week like something's going down where someone's trying to, you know, is Bane attacking or the Joker's on the roof with gas again or something's going on? Like, it can't be that level of intensity all the time and it, right. it felt like that with this that sort of with Snyder that he sort of he was he wasn't trying to pull down Gotham although Gotham City as an entity is a big part of it it feels more like he's pulling it back into the Bat family and so all the stories they are impactful on a character level or, you know and that sort of thing but they're never eventually they get there but they're not you know he builds up to the, the city destroying stuff rather than just going Right, for this one, I'm going to level an entire city block and we'll go from there. Um, you know, it sort of it, it feels smaller and it, it, it gestates into something that's more impactful, which I really appreciated that it, it, it had that. Um, yeah, I, I love everything you're saying. And, and they had, uh, you know, they even, uh, you know, to that point, I mean, they even had, uh, was it Night of the Owls? It's sort of like, uh, you mm. know one month, two month kind of crossover where, uh, you know, the various bat titles uh, reflected that uh, that one night where the talons are, you know, it's like, how did how did Catwoman deal with that? How did Nightwing deal with that? And, um, you know, they even did, uh, there was an issue of All-Star Western, you know, starring Jonah Hex mm. that uh, tied into that. And, um, and then, you know, not only is that like, doing a, a, a crossover that uh, is a sort of like more limited scope thing, um, but also they use that as an occasion to have different writers kind of explore the history of the Court of Owls and how they had uh, been a part of Gotham's history all along. Yeah, and I think that's what was so... It's, it's so great that it was almost like... Um, like you say, the invitation was out of like, okay, well, how did Nightwing deal with it? Like, as long as you reach this point... You know, you start from this point and end at this point. We don't mind what happens in the middle. Go crazy, sort of thing. And there's some some of those sort of that month, that night of the owl stories are actually really good. Um, yeah. Uh, I think the Nightwing one in particular I quite enjoyed. Um, but there's a moment. There's there's, there's there are mo- the, the other thing as well is that there are moments, there are panels in this story that are that, you know that are just sort of seared into my mind that I remember. Um, that are just sort of. Um, Having come off, so I mean, you know, uh, Snyder sort of follows up Grant Morrison. You sort of finish the Morrison run, you go into um, Snyder, and so you've got characters like sort of, you know, uh, Damian Wayne in particular. That that sort of um, he he has now got a reputation as being a sort of he's quite bratty. He's quite, you know, he's quite uh, abrupt and sort of like he's very confident and sort of you know self assured. But there's a moment in this where oh, that is reflected. But then there's also a moment when you know you find out that Batman's been missing for like several days or whatever, and the, the, the police are about to sort of stop the the search, and and Damian Wayne sort of demands like, no, you will look for him, and then he sort of his shoulders slump. He says, please, and it's that sort of thing. It's like, so like it's just it's just a really good sort of um, 
emotional moment of a son sort of you know sort of like I can't do this on my own but you I need your help and I think that's one of the things I like about Snyder that the characters there's no one he doesn't want to sort of play up do you know what I mean um, oh yeah you know they're, they're all no, and I think Snyder has a Snyder has a lot of moments like that um, mm. you know he's very good at um, you know uh, telling these these rollicking tales that you know, they, they, it's interesting to me. Like, they don't have, um, you know, like, both of them have identified uh, stories that are kind of rollicking and, and, uh, and um, fun. Mm. Um, but, you know, like, the Snyder stuff, you know, and, and in fairness, like, O'Neill is a mixed bag, too. But um, the Snyder stuff, like, um, it deals with, like, theme differently. Like, Snyder has... Like these, these, like you said, like these moments where they're so revealing of character, or they just seem like such a perfect moment, or a sort of like motif for that particular issue of kind of looping back in time and kind of bookending, you know, the story. Um, you know, in in interesting ways, um, but it, it doesn't have like the, the the sort of classic sense of theme that I that I sort of look for and maybe maybe that's something that I just had a prejudice um, because you're right that he does deal with uh, character in these wonderful little gestures mm-hmm. um, even through the whole run I mean there are just these little moments that are just perfect where you just think well that's that's really really good uh, I, I you know I'm not sure how much I love this story or I love this issue but that is that is a perfect page, you know. Yeah, and that's it. There are like panels and pages, like you say this. And I think the other one, just to mention, you know, after sort of Court of Owls, um, I think is is um, Death of the Family is another one where he went, you know, all out. And th- that links back to um, it was the it was issue number one of um, I think it was it was either. I don't know if it was Detective or whichever one they did, but they they obviously redid all of them, and um, it's the one where right. the, the doll the dollmaker cuts off Joker's face, and the, the the end of the issue is the Joker's face has been nailed to a wall, and and that's it, and you're a bit like I remember when this happened, you're like, wow, what is that about? How is that going to come back? Um, and it, it didn't for for ages, like n- nothing happened. There was lots of speculation. And then you find out that Scott Snyder is going to pick up the ball with that and run with it, and you get you get a an issue, the first issue of um, De- Death of the Family. I think it's issue twenty one or twenty two of his run, and it starts with a completely silhouetted or a, a Joker completely in darkness, apart from his eyes and part of his smile, and then he he attacks the Gotham uh, GCPD police department where his face has been kept in as evidence and it is one of the most frightening horrific attacks that like it's 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 the joker like there's scarier than i've ever ever seen him and it's it's you know you see about these moments in time with define a character um i you know i love the joke and i think sort of uh things like the killing joke and you think of other things where he's been horrific but this is him as this is him as Freddy Krueger. This is him as Pennywise the Clown. This is oh, him. Yeah. As, this is him as a horror icon, and um, 
again, this is where sort of like I think Capullo's time on Spawn pays off, um, <clears throat> and, and it's just to say it's wonderful. <laughs> say it's wonderful seems sort of really macabre, but it's so so well done. Um, that it, it, again, it, it's just sort of. Um, yeah, it's it's fun in a really horrific way. It gives you that thrill of like, oh my god, this is. is am I reading this? Um, yeah, no, I, I totally get that, and and I think uh, when I think of Snyder's run, I mean, I I was uh, I, I was really disappointed with uh, the Joker Endgame arc, mm. uh, but I love Death of the Family, and you know. Um, you know, I mean, there, there are things that I kind of quibble about, and you know, kind of cutting off Alfred's uh, his hand, right? Mm. Um, but, but, man, I mean, every issue of Death of the Family stands in my mind as like, wow, they're really upping the ante. Like, I can't believe they're doing this. Uh, and it, it is kind of uh, a, a sort of like Joker as as horror figure, sort of like Joker unleashed. Mm. Um, and, and, and there is just that same, like you said, you know, the sort of rollicking sense of like, where are they going with this? How are they going to resolve this? Uh, <laughs> you know, what am I even reading? And, and so rarely do we get that from comics nowadays. And that's it. And I think, you know, I mean, if I think about, um, Think back on that run. I think about reading it month and month, you know, month in month out. And the, the end of that issue, the end of that arc, uh, death of the family. There, there, there are moments in that. You know, he, he enters Arkham Asylum, and they are play. It is a horror. It's a horror maze. Like they, they, they've got people. They've got bodies sewn together to as a tapestry of one of their of Batman and the Joker's first encounters. Um, and you know. It, it, it is a horrific image. It's, I mean, you know, it, it's beautifully illustrated by Capullo, but also you're looking at it and you're going, oh yeah, look, there's the laughing fish. Oh look, there's this. And there's a, you're looking for things on it and you can't look away from it. Um, and then you, you know, so you are looking, you, you're flipping from page to page thinking this is going to be horrendous. But then there's also a panel in that where Batman punches out a horse and you're like, that's amazing. <laughs> And it, it breaks that tension. Yeah, and, well, I remember that the, the dinner scene. Mm. Um, you know, and and just thinking like, uh, you know, my God, what am I reading? You know, this is. I mean, you really do have the sense there. I mean, of uh, sort of not just Joker Unleashed, but of uh, like, um, this is the final Joker story. Like, mm. how do you go past this? Uh, you know, the sense of, like, I mean, it's there in um, Killing Joke of sort of, like, if this goes on, one of us is going to die. Um, and I, I think, like, you know, after Killing Joke, it's hard to do a really fantastic Joker story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously you've had, he's killed Robin, I mean, you know, you've upped the ante so much with the Joker um, that, you know, how do you one-up that? And you know, Snyder manages to do it, and it's and it's crazy, and it's off the wall, but it is gripping and stunning, and uh, you know, you can't wait to read the next page. Yeah, and like you say, it's he said about that the dinner scene, and it's so because you know everyone sort of says like, 
<clears throat> the Joker as an anarchist and all sorts of things, but it's it's so meticulously well planned, um, and and I mean again, I remember sort of like you know, and I don't see this as much anymore. Um, I, I was I was literally just talking to someone about this the other day. That on comic book sites now, you I I don't see these speculation articles that I saw around um, certain other runs in the past. But there was a, the, the, the dinner scene ends where they, there's a reveal where each of the Bat family and that have been captured, and they're all got their faces bandaged up, and people are speculating like, right, who's gonna die? Who's lost their face? Who's been disfigured? What's happened? Like Snyder had taken it to a point where, yeah, it might happen. <laughs> like Nightwing yeah. may may continue without a face, or he may continue with a disfigurement. <laughs> like there was a legit at that point, people were like I've read articles on sort of like you know your comic book websites where people were literally speculating: Are we going to have a series where Nightwing is going to go forwards? with a disfigurement or with a mask that's going to hide his face. Like there was real, and I was just like, I, like you say, like, it, it was getting to that point where people didn't know what could come next because of everything that had already happened had been so like, well, that's so out of the blue. Um, and then again, like I say, they bring in Damien Wayne that when they take the bandages off to reveal, actually they're all, they're actually all fine. They're okay. Is that moment where Damien's like, is it okay? I can't feel my face. <laughs> Um, right. And it is, it's horrific. And like you say, just, but the, he also plays it like the anger that, that Bruce that Bruce has um, at feeling yeah. almost the, the vulnerability it takes him to. Um, again, like, but if you're, if you're a citizen of Gotham City, none of that impacts on you. Like, there's no city-destroying event. There's no, um, you know, huge burning battle that runs through the streets it's just a it just keeps impacting on Batman it just keeps hitting him so and that's why I really enjoy it that's why I think like you say that there's that adventure of it takes it down a notch as it on that you know on that sort of scope but actually the the emotional impact and the actual story impact is massive um so yeah I agree with all of that I mean, and I think that's often the case. I mean, I, 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 I've had a lot of discussions um, lately about how, uh, you know, how something like Jessica Jones feels, um, you know, I feel a sense of stakes mm. through that, that whole TV series that I don't when, you know, uh, Ultron is prepared to destroy the Earth. I don't care. Um, and, and you're right, uh, you know, not only do you feel that sense of stakes in, in Snyder's Batman run, but, the, you know, the reason why I have that same sense of, like, okay, who's going to be missing their face <laughs> is because, you know, which is admittedly a, a really macabre thing to be thinking about, <laughs> um, it's because Snyder's taken so many just what is going on uh, risks and uh, ambitious moves throughout. I mean, at that point, we're 20-some issues in, and, you know, he's earned that scene. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was, it's incre- it was incredible. I, re- I remember, sort of, let's like say, there was, um, you know, that, that sort of need to, to keep getting that next issue and, and find out what is going on. <laughs> and, uh, and I do think, like you say, 
the story that over sort of fifty whatever it is fifty two three issues eventually gets a little bloated and and sort of end like you say end game again has its moments there are some fantastic moments in that yeah. story um, and again I love the concept of Bruce having to sacrifice a normal life to take on the mantle because only Batman can take you know can take down the Joker and I like the sort of the themes in that but. It doesn't stick the landing in the in the way I would like it to have done, um, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, yeah, but and I, and I think that's how the family does. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think you know the the whole sort of you know first twelve issues you know work together and and don't have that same problem. Um, you know, and I will say, I mean, you know, you're sort of convincing me. Um, you know, both both because you know I'm sort of remembering how much. You know, there are those moments throughout Snyder's run that are just so perfect. Um, but also that sense of, like, like you know, when I'm talking about rollicking adventure, you know, with the Raw stories, I mean, I'm talking about, like, a, uh, you know, a three-parter or a 17-page mm. story or, you know, a graphic novel. I mean, you're talking about sustaining that over the course of 60 issues mm. and that sense of, you know, just reading comics monthly and, and saying, you know, what the hell is this happening next? I read all of it in collection, mm. uh, you know. So for me, it was a different experience. But, but you know, it does have that sense of just sort of like, I, it, it never kind of like occurred to me that rollicking adventure, there's the kind of like rollicking adventure within the story of like, now we're in the Himalayas. Mm. But then there's also the sort of like rollicking adventure of, I have no idea what the next issue is going to hold that the comics used to have um, and that has largely disappeared. But I think you're right that Snyder certainly brought back. And I remember the internet speculation. Yeah. It felt like a pulp adventure, that cliffhanger moment, you know, whether it be like a, um, you know, same time, same back time, same, you know, same back channel. It was like, you know, well, what the hell's going to happen next? It was, it was, and I think the thing is, there's been other runs, and you know, I think um, Tom King's current run on Batman, I started reading, and I dropped off very quickly because of a similar thing of the stakes straight. The first two arcs in it are actually quite good, and then it sort of gets into I think it's about either the third or fourth one in, and it's called the the War of Jokes and Riddles, and it depicts a sort of a gang war between. A Joker gang and and, and uh, the Riddler gang, and it's supposed to have lasted like months at some point in the Batman history. But it's so it's so sort of almost like a villain civil war level event that yeah. you'd almost be like, well, something like this, like they wouldn't be going to an asylum anymore. They would have been there would have been executions. There would have been. <laughs> You know, people would be in a sort of like in a max security prison, not somewhere like that. This is ridiculous to a level where I'm like, I can't see how anything's ever going to happen after this. Like it becomes too, and I, I dropped off after that because yeah, right. the stakes just become silly. The, You're like, the millions are just going to be. There's a guy on the street. Everybody's going to be like the Punisher now. Like, yeah. You put our city through hell. Every citizen is armed and ready to kill. I swear to God, there's a, there's a moment in the story in, in the, the War of Jokes and Riddles. There's a four page, of, maybe short than that, maybe three pages, but it depicts a three day gun battle between Deathstroke and and um, Deadshot. 
And I'm thinking, how many pe- how many I say, how many Punishers in Batman were, were born out of this running gun battle that lasted three days? Like, it's it, it yeah. It, that was that was the moment in that story where I was like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm out. This is where the sta- like you said, the, 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 the age of Ultron sort of thing. Where the stakes are too big, they're too silly. I I can't I can't wrap my head around that. Sorry, that's too silly. Um, and it 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 just yeah, like it loses that impact where I'm like on tenterhooks wanting to know what happens next because now I'm like, well, if this can happen, then nothing really matters. Um, and I think that's the, that's the balance we've got to find. Yeah, and you're right that, you know, the, I mean, the spider run does that exceptionally well. I mean, and, and you know, and Corn of Owls definitely does that, where, you know, Bruce is kind of discovering, you know, stuff about the history of Gotham and mm. his family, you know, as the story goes on. And, you know, I mean, him being underground and, you know, lost in the maze and stuff really stuck in my mind. Um, you know, and uh, definitely Death of the, death of the Family, um does that too, where, you know, the stakes, you have this tremendous sense of stakes, but you're right, it's, it's you know, it's very psychological, it's very character-based, it's not, uh, you know, now there's, a, you know, I remember, you know, reading Batman comics in the, in the 90s, where it was like, you know, they did Contagion, uh, mm. you know, where it was like, a plague hits Gotham City, and then they did Cataclysm, where an earthquake hits Gotham City. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, every Batman event was like, we are going to level half the city. And yeah. then, admittedly, I, I like No Man's Land quite a bit. But for a year, all of Gotham is just, yeah, you're not part of the United States anymore. No, and that's it. Like you say, you get to. And I actually agree. I think No Man's Land, No Man's Land, is actually quite good fun. But it's almost one of the things where, like, that's them dealing with the aftermath of these great events. But those great events, like, shouldn't have happened. Like, they just seem, like you say, it, it, it's one of those again where it, it happens in a shared universe, and it's it's become more apparent, I think, with things like the MCU. Why? Why is there anybody when you've got things like the Justice League? Um, why is anybody still living in Gotham in, in um, you know, in in no man's land? Like, why hasn't Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Ma- Martian Manhunter, these ones that like you know max power level kind of sort of superheroes? Why haven't they come in and just been like, oh, we'll clear all this up in a couple of weeks? It, right, exactly. It, uh, <laughs> and there was some some justification. Uh, you know, there were like a couple of Justice League issues that tied into that, and there was some sort of you know, shitty justification for that. Um, like about, you know, not wanting to alienate the U.S. government or something, you know. Um, but, you know, it, you know, at least they addressed it, but it was so unbelievable. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel like you get one of the stories, right? I mean, you can have, like, a, a poison gas attack in Gotham that, you know, like, the end of Batman Begins or whatever. I mean... You know, you can do a story like that, but you kind of get one. Yeah. It's like, don't make your entire run one series of horrible events after another because because then you run into the problem of just sort of, A, why is anyone living in Gotham anymore? Um, B, uh, it doesn't mean anything to me as a reader anymore. Mm. Um, You know, once you've seen... You know, I mean, there is this kind of confusion 
of, you know, Ultron's going to destroy the world. Well, you know, that's big stakes. Well, it is on paper, mm. but it doesn't feel like it, right? I mean, Court of Owls feels big stakes. I mean, Death of the Family feels big stakes. Uh, but you're right. I mean, there's, you wouldn't even notice these things except for one night, you know, which is like, you know, it'd be a bigger deal if, you know, a member of the Penguin Gang shot up, you know, the, the house, the apartment beneath you or something. Hmm. And that's it. I think, you know, I think that's why I think superhero comics are wonderful. I think, you know, they, we, there's some fantastic ones. But for me, and, and you know, and again, it's that thing of everyone's opinion, everyone's different, everyone enjoys different things. I do like those smaller um, stories, those more personal stories, you know, where, where it gets down to. And I'm not talking about high drama, but where it's like the impact. If I get a run of, um, you know, stories where it's like you say, it's just trauma after trauma after trauma. Like after a while, I just sort of, you, you tune it out. Um, and that's, you know, so you, you either get, and that's again, like, you know, I mentioned like Ed Brubaker's uh, Captain America run that, you know that that ends in some that's got some sort of like major stuff goes on in that in that in that run um, that impacts on a world stage, but it's it's sort of it's not every issue. There are issues that are really downplayed and sort of like just conversations between sort of like um, uh, Bucky and, and Falcon or sort of uh, you know uh, Sharon Carter and there's, there's those moments that you go oh we're we're back down to that level. I can just have those. I can see how these things have actually having an effect on them and how they're sort of dealing with it and where their head's at. Right, we can ratchet it, ratchet it back up again now. Um, and then there are other runs in, in series where you just sort of... It is, it's just like, okay, now we've leveled this city and now I'm going to go do this and now I'm going to, you know, we're going to have something on the moon. And then you think, yeah, but I, you, I can't keep working at that level because it just sort of, sort of lose interest. Yeah, I... I mean, it, it reminds me of, like, uh, the Apocalypse War and Judge Dredd, right? Where, mm. you know, what did they kill? Like, uh, a, you know, a third of the entire population of Mega City 1 or something? Yeah. Um, you know, you can't do that every few years, mm. right? I mean, and, you know, like, the first time you do that, it's a big deal. Um, you know, and, and the audience goes, wow, you're really shaking things up. But then time goes on, and you realize, like, like there is, I mean, even in the '90s. I mean, obviously, we're we're in the, you know, the New Fifty Two or DC Rebirth, whatever we want to call it now. Um, but you know, uh, even in the '90s, you know, a year after No Man's Land, a year after Contagion, you know, it's like a, a third of Gotham died by plague. You know, yeah. people are vomiting blood in the yeah. street. You know. A year later, nobody even references it, you know? It's yeah. like, oh yeah, that's a thing that happened. Uh, remember when aliens invaded New York and, you know, the Avengers were busy trashing buildings? You know, oh yeah, that's a thing, you well, know? That's the thing, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you, you referenced Judge Dredd, he's actually, that's a really good sort of point where that is an evolving continuity. Like, everything that's happened from 1977 onwards has happened. And still has consequences. I mean, even as recent as, I think, in the last six years, um, they had a, a consequence from the Apocalypse War. So there was a story that ran where a, a general that had been um, 
we've been blinded by the, the the attack that dread actually instigated back on on so, uh, the soviet soviet bloc and he sort of formed this underground yeah. force and attacked mega city but it wasn't like a major thing he just attacked dread and some other bits but again like that story like still has weight and i think that's that's sort of the thing of like you know it's it's um I mean, you know, that's not to say that everything in the Judge Dredd continuity is great and should ever be used again, but everything that's happened has right. happened, and I love the fact that, like you say, things still carry weight. Like, you know, they still there are still parts, it grows and shrinks. I know that Mega City grows, but there are still parts of the city you can't they can't go into because of Necropolis. There's still parts of the city that've got this and that. Right. That. Like you say, it has stakes because then they'll have a year of just small stories where it's people on the judges on the street, or you know they'll go off planet or whatever, and it's just a it's a smaller story, so you, you can build up to those big events. But yeah, I don't know. I I I find I'm I'm yeah. So- I read that I read that story about uh, you know the the general. He's got like the last bomb, and he's he's going to complete his mission from yes. the apocalypse war. Um, you know, and 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 there is that sense of like oh. You know, I thought the the coolest part of that story was was for me was the idea of like if he succeeds, Mega City One did not win the Apocalypse War. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, you know, there's a possibility that we've been wrong about this the whole time, and we're just at this kind of like interregnum period. Yeah. You know, this cold war before. Uh, um, you know, uh, you know the, the Eastern Bloc. Uh, you know, got its revenge. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I dig that. Um, and in fact, that's one of the things that I that I can't stand about superhero continuity is, um, and you know, is these these the endless reboots, the endless uh, kind of retcons. Um, you know, and you see it even in even in talking about Ra's al Ghul. You know, like by the time you get to the the third graphic novel, you know, O'Neill comes back and O'Neill doesn't want to, he's the guy who's created Roz, so he doesn't want to honor, like, yeah, Talia's had a kid. Mm. And he just retcons the last, the previous two graphic novels out of existence. Yeah, um, yeah and, you know, and Talia even talks about her mom, you know, and it's like, no, that's not what you just established. Yeah. You know, no, it doesn't matter. Um, and, and you know, that's pretty annoying. Um, uh, but, you know, you do have these gems like, you know, I mean, Snyder, you know, Snyder's Batman came out of that, but but you do have these gems come out of that, that even, even within this kind of endlessly rebooting continuity, um, you know, you have these great stories told, but it, but it does feel lessened to me by the fact that it doesn't have the... In, in both of our selections, that it, it doesn't have that continuing Judge Dredd kind of thing. Yeah, and I, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, uh, Marvel are just as, uh, even if not more so, sort of guilty of that, the sort of the relaunching with the number one, um, that you get to a point where you're like, I wouldn't even know where to jump in. Like, where do I start? Um, but I, I recently took a took a bit of a stab, and I, I've just read volume, well, I literally finished it today, I just finished uh, volume one of the Immortal Hulk, written by Al Ewing, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, right. it, it, it's wonderful. Like it's brilliant. I've read the first five issues now in this first volume, and it's brilliant. And it's one of those where you go, okay, it's 
it's it's Bruce Banner on on the run. He's on the streets. It's very sort of like you know you could. It's very much like the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk TV show, but um, it's now got this real sort of like horror element now where it's not when he gets he he can get activated when he gets angry, but also it's almost like nightly. Like the Hulk comes out at night, and it's sort of you know it's going to happen. So he now needs to look for something to direct that rage and that that. It's almost like you know. I've got every night. I've got a nuclear weapon that's going to go off. Can I use that in the best possible way? <laughs> like you know, that's can really I... cool. Yeah, yeah and it is. It, it is really good. I'm not going to spoil anything because it's really well done, and you don't need to know anything that's gone before. Like you, you don't need to know anything. Like Al Ewing's written it, so he's sort of like, yeah, all this stuff's happened, and I know that. But this is what I'm dealing with, and it actually it goes back to that original. It, you know, idea of what the Hulk would be from when Stanley and Jack Kirby obviously created it, and it's sort of like it, it's so so good that it, this is a starting point. It's like, oh yeah, just step in here and it will give you this character, and I re- I highly recommend it. So Al, Al Ewing's Immortal Hulk is that one of those gems where you're like, the stakes are really good because it's it's creating its own world where this isn't an, an Earth ending, you know, a, a globe shattering story. This is literally him trying to deal with this problem that he now has, um, and it's sort of, but it's introducing these new elements in each issue. It's really good, really, really good, really loving it. But well, I've heard good things. I've got to check it out. Uh, but I mean, I like you know the besides the sense of like small stakes, the sense of like um, you know sort of like boiling these stories down to you know you were talking about like you know sort of returning to the sort of, like, Hulk is monster, the sort of, you know, Stan Lee uh, thing, which, mm. you know, I mean, you know, those original stories are a lot closer to, like, werewolf stories mm. than they are to superhero stories. Um, you, know, it, you know, structurally, in terms of how this transformation works and everything. Um, but, uh, you, know, um, you know, it reminds me of, you know, sort of the ways that both of us have chosen uh, Batman stories that are sort of rollicking adventures, mm. you know, that are that are fun, and and are fun on this particular level where they're they're thoughtful, they're, there's intelligent stuff going on, but they're these sort of like Batman as adventure yarn, yes, but in this particular Batman way um, that so often we get, you know, Batman as superhero hanging out with the Justice League or Batman as like sort of you know ultra street level uh, you know I mean you were talking about some of the Brubaker stuff I think he does that pretty well mm. but I don't know that I want to reread most of it mm. and that's what I mean like you say it's, it was fine to it once but it's the rereadability that, that adventure element that I can go back and I can enjoy those elements of the story that I think are just fun and just interesting and and um, like you said, they're pushing their look. They're really pushing their look on some of these, and I think it's fantastic that they do that. Um, and I think the other thing, you, know, you said they're both rollicking adventures, and I think it's clear that for both the sort of the O'Neill stuff and the Snyder stuff, both of them have introduced elements that have stuck around. You know, like you said, there was, yeah. there was stuff in that, that run that is now a definitive part of canon, for you know the O'Neill stuff, like I say, you introduced Ra's al Ghul and Talia al Ghul, and 
um, and those elements that others have now have built upon. And the same with Snyder. Like he put things in that run that even you know it came out in two thousand and eleven. I think was the new fifty two. So you sort of we're eight years later, and it's so it's not you know a great deal of time later, but they're still building on that. Like you know those characters still come up, and those sort of ideas are still being built upon. So they're really sort of. Um, they, they are milestones, but they're milestones not because they are they invite analysis like the Killing Joke or, or Dark Knight Returns or Arkham on, but because they're just so enjoyable that people are going to be accessing them and I think rereading them for so long to come. Yeah, I think so too, and I, I think it's amazing to see, um, you know, like uh, going back in, uh, you know, finding this O'Neill stuff, um, you know, and re reading some of the stuff around it, uh, you know, I'm amazed by, like, how few Roz appearances there are mm. um, until the 90s, you know. Um, and, you know, the same is true, you know, of Van Bath and, you know, obviously, like, Hugo Strange, uh, you know, had one appearance before Englehart Rogers uh, took it up. And, you know, it's amazing how... Uh, how you know, we're talking about elements that we now regard as just quintessential parts of, of the Batman mythos, but that, you know, didn't necessarily seem so at the time. Mm. Um, you know, that it, it was within a, a relatively small period of years that um, that they became that. And it's easy to see now, like, rereading that stuff, you think, yeah, well, you know, uh, Roz could have been forgotten, you know, I mean, there were years that he wasn't used. Mm. Um, there's no indication that he necessarily even needs to come back, um, you know, and, and I think that the Court of Owls shows that same kind of, like, not only versatility, but that same kind of, like, rapid incorporation into uh, the Batman mythos. If anything, it's been faster with Snyder. Mm. I think, this is, I think that's just a, a thing of the times, though, isn't it? I think everything's faster these days. So everyone jumps on the bandwagon pretty quick. Um, a lot of content to fill. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think these are both great stories. And I think, you know, um, for those that are listening, I highly recommend going back and finding sort of like, you know, those O'Neill um, stories, you know, whether you go onto Comixology or you find them on, on uh, wherever you can buy these. In fact, there are two beautiful um, collections that are sort of like the, exclusively the Denny O'Neill and, and uh, Neil Adam um, stories uh, in, in big hardback, and they're really nice. But th- these are these are readily available um, to, to go and so- seek out, I think. And the Snyder stuff is all available in, in trade and yeah. as well as in, in big collections uh, and you can even get these flip based hardcover with an owl mask yes I, <laughs> I, I think they did a Joker uh, face one too they did yes they, they, did, they did a sort of a run of them because they, they started with the Court of Owls and then they did um, um, the Joker face which I don't have. I don't have that one. But then they also did the Deathstroke mask, and they also did the Harley Quinn one as well. So I don't have those. Just the Court of Owls, uh, which hangs on my wall in in where all my what sort of my comics and my books are. So uh, pride of place. Uh, yeah, it does but, have that kind of 
I do like the mask. It does have a kind of Venetian uh, look to it. Yeah, well, again, it's one of those things I think that <coughs> Capullo's style uh, lends very well to those sorts of characters. Um, and uh, I mean, I could talk about Capullo art forever because I think, I think sort of some, his, his, his ability to sort of craft just little, as we said, f- f- Snyder writes great character flush- flourishes, but, but Capullo draws them and sort of, you know, you can go back to a, um, uh, a page, you know, and, and just the sort of the, he will, I know he sort of, uh, I, f- I mean, I follow him on social media and I know that he sort of like, you know, he pains over how would this thing, how would this character stand to deliver this line and all this other stuff. And so the, he has those sort of things and then he adds things into the background to make things look, you know, real. He will never do just a plain panel. It will always be, okay, well, they're in a, a, a library, so it's going to be oak panel walls and there's going to be this and there's going to be that. And so his background's always incredibly detailed and I just think his art is, he's just, I mean, he takes his, you know, he's not the fastest, but he always sort of seems to deliver. Um, uh, and But I just, I just think his characters and, and, you know his presentation is, is superb, um, and uh, you know I think uh, what what I really admire him for, and what I think he's great at is, you know, I um, I always you know I, this is going to seem so silly, but I always know what's happening, and mm. you know visual storytelling is so tricky, and when you look at you know there are many. Um, Artists who they can be a very fine artist. I can admire their technique brilliantly, but you know, I'll read a panel and I'll think um, I'm not entirely sure what happened there. You know, like I think yeah. the Batmobile turned a corner, but it might have crashed. You know, and it's only like two pages later that I'm totally sure what happened. Um, I never have a moment like that with uh, with Capullo. Uh, I always know exactly what's going on, and the characters are very energetic. And I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm right there in the story. It's communicating visually everything that I need to to follow that story in a way that um, that uh, actually is very hard to do. Mm. Yeah, he, he's a he's a master of the art, and like you say, of of, of storytelling. Not just he's, you know, he's. he's his art's very pretty, but that storytelling of utilizing that that page um, to direct you around, like you know what is going on, and uh, um, and, ha- and telling the story. Like, yeah, I think others do. Just you know, I'm not going to name anybody. I think, I think just poor taste. But uh, you're right. There are artists where I can look at a page and I have to read it, or I have to sort of, or even I can't. The panels don't seem to follow a, a, a an organic pattern that you know you can completely follow what's complete what's going on which i find frustrating yeah uh, yeah absolutely but yeah but that's well, been i f- hope readers ch- check this stuff out and uh, and i have actually learned more about batman by talking with you and, and i think we've really kind of honed down on this uh you know this sort of like um you know look i mean we appreciate uh, dark knight we appreciate uh uh, killing joke and we've had conversations about this stuff mm. but um, you know that at the end of the day we both kind of chose stuff that was uh, has that sense of arcing adventure tied with some some smart twists and themes 
Agreed. And I think that's where the fun is. That's what comics are all about, is that sort of thing of... Um, when they're at their best, they tell a really fun story that you are hugely invested in and, you know, you're clawing for that next issue. That's that's when they... Uh, or you can't put it down. They work like a book and you just can't put it down issue to issue. I think that's when they work. And both the... You know, what you and I have sort of, I think, have put on the table are, are, are great examples of that. Yeah, I think so too. I, I, I think that actually helps me to understand Batman better and, and what works with Batman. Yeah, I think, I'm, you know, I'm going to go back and sort of even think about it. I read Court of Owls for this, but, you know, obviously we got onto Death of the Family and, and uh, I haven't read um, the Demon trilogy, so I need to read those. I've got those. So I will be putting some time aside to read those books uh, in the next week or so. Um, and I'm, I'm going to reread Snyder. Uh, I read through the first 12, but uh, I'm going to reread, uh, you know, the, the rest of the run after this. Yeah, I think it's worth, it's worth doing. I'd be interested to see it, sort of what you think about it. Yeah, after having gone through it all, I'll be interested to see what you think about it. Uh, well, let's do it again. Yeah, we will. We'll, we'll get back and we'll talk about that, actually. Let's, we'll do that. We'll put that in. But, Julian, as always, it's uh, it's fantastic to have the show. Um, and I really appreciate your time and, uh, and, uh, and your uh, contribution. Uh, you too, brother, and it is my pleasure, and I, I can't tell you how much uh, um, how much this means to me, how much uh, how great it is, and I come away every time feeling that I learned something, and I and I've thought about things in a different way. Excellent. Well, yeah, we shall uh, we'll say we'll put something in the diary for the future. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Our sec- the second part of the discussion between Julie and I about our favourite Batman stories. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you go back and you'll take some time to look at those early 70s and 80s runs. The saga of Ra's al Ghul, the Neil Adams and uh, Denny O'Neill stuff. And of course, more modern for me, especially the New 52 stuff for uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, starting with the, uh, the Court of Owls. Fantastic run, fantastic book, amazing art, amazing writing. I highly recommend them all. Uh, but thank you, as usual, for listening in. I greatly appreciate it. We've got some great stuff coming up over the summer. A couple of big retrospectives coming later in this year. I think we've already advertised them. We're going to be doing the full Predator run. That's right, all the all the Predator films. And then later in the year, leading up to a weekend of release, uh, review we are going to be doing the Terminator films as well now that's going to be a bit bumpy I feel uh, and hopefully the best for this new film um, so thank you as I say for listening in and uh, if you want to help and support the show get in contact find us on social media uh, and tweet us say hello always always loving uh, talking to fans of the show or, or drop me an email at uh, 20th century geek at gmail.com um, and if you want to take your support further, we do have a Patreon page and it is chock full of good stuff. Every month I do a review of a film that probably hasn't got the best reputation um, and ask the question, is it really that bad? Got some big good ones coming up on that as well. And also monthly, 
for the higher up subscribers uh, I sit down with my non-nerdy wife and Alex and we watch something that she's probably never watched before so far we did Batman 66 tying right into this show and recently we also did Buffy the Vampire Slayer so if you want us to do certain things for that if you want Alex to watch specific things let me know she's actually quite game for all kinds of things uh, and finally we also have an Amazon wish list chock full of wonderful research books that will help us in the future and if you want to send one if you want to donate we at 20th century towers love secondhand books okay well thank you for listening in and i'll see you again soon <laughs>